Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Want to grab a free copy of my Dance Studio Growth Marketing eBook? Sign up for a free copy today of the eBook 97 Simple Strategies to Grow Your Dance Studio by going to assembledancestudiocoaching.com forward slash marketing eBook. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. Welcome to your on-air coaching session, Holly. It's really exciting to have uh, you on Zoom and meeting you in person, as well as sharing our coaching session with um, the Assemblé podcast listeners. So thank you so much for joining us and being open and honest and, um, you know, being, I guess, a little vulnerable. We'll see how the session goes, but it's always uh, when you're new at something and doing something the first time can be a little nerve wracking. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a bit nerve wracking, but... Thank you for helping. No problem. So before we get started, like I've already sent you some questions. I've had a look at your socials and your website and things like that. But I'd love to get a little bit of an idea more about you personally and sort of where you're at with your business journey at the moment. So um, a little bit about you and, you know, maybe I know you haven't launched yet. So what you've done so far and when you plan to launch and things like that. Yeah, well, it's so exciting. I, my name is Holly. I'm from Brizzy. I, I am a QT student studying physics and economics, which is a little bit different from dance. I have been dancing, you know, since I was a baby. And I think I just had this uh, revelation of this is what I meant to do. It has the problem solving skills, the financial side, the business side of my degrees with my love and passion of dance. So about a month ago, I decided to switch it all up and, you know, start my passion. And what I've been doing, because I'm launching in term three, which is very exciting. I've been, you know, keeping up my socials as a way of marketing because I have, my customers are going to be, you know, young families who use Instagram now. I'm also using Facebook because I also have adult classes and especially those, um, I'm doing a 65 years old plus ballet class. So that's my customer grounds over on Facebook as well. Um, I've also been, you know, organizing my finances, seeing what's worth it, you know, cause there's a bunch of, whenever you start a company on social media, you get, a bunch of people reaching out offering you this and that you know you have to see what's what's worth it or what's not you're worth it <laughs> um yeah so just seeing what's worth it um i've been organizing my schedules that was a hard thing to do you know see what's worth it i've also had to find venues which has been tough you know because you have to put on your business face and act like you're not terrified when you're meeting everybody, seeing what's um, what's around and what would be good for your customers, you know, cause I have to have parking at my venues. I have to, you know, see if it's big enough to hold a ballet class. So it's all just 
tossing up what's worth it and you know what would um work for my company best absolutely well it sounds like I didn't realize you had like just sort of really launched off so you're super fresh but you're sounding really motivated and it sounds like you've done a heap already so I feel like the steps you've taken so far are a really positive one now again I have looked at a couple of um the notes that you have sent me through and I'm also making notes as we go along to touch back on back on things that you said because I just want to make sure that we cover as much as we can today so you gave me a little bit of an overview then of like the practical elements of your business and what you've been doing but can you tell me a little bit more about your business um even your name and you sort of you've already got a mission and an ethos which I think is really important and 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 that's really going to kind of set you up. And I think that that will help you answer a lot of these questions that you have that come up. So can you tell me a little bit more about that in your own words? Yes, of course. I'm very passionate about what uh, Multiplicity Studio is about. The reason I chose the name Multiplicity is it means various or many. And that's what I want my dancers to be. I want them to have various communities that they're a part of, various body sizes, you know, I'm all about um, our mission is diversity in dance, which I think is something that has been hidden from the dance world for such a long time. You know, there's only one little ballerina that's known as, you know, the best dancer. And I wanna, you know, crush those stereotypes because there's so many other communities that have been hidden from the dance world, you know, even LGBTQIA plus dancers, you know, who have short hair or just, you know, love everybody else as a social aspect, you know, they're cut out from the dance world and I want to give them voices. Another thing that I'm really passionate about, I remember last year when the BLM uh, protests were going on, we have so many dances of colors little ballerinas that are watching what's going on in the world and, you know are probably wondering if this world is probably safe for them and that's what i want my dance studio to do you know we will speak up about it because i remember when i first uh started this business um a lot of people were saying you know don't don't do the whole diversity in dance thing yet because that's gonna you know, shorten your customer group, you know, because there are people that, you know, don't want the politics in the dance studio politics. They don't want that change of, you know, that one type of ballerina. But I, if I'm not doing that, then, you know, what's this all for? You know, I have to have a passion and I want to make change. So if I just, you know, stuck to the quintessential oh we're just ballerinas and we're here and you know we're not focusing on the world or anything like that then you know it's not worth doing my company because that's what I believe in in my personal life so I want to bring that to my company absolutely and I think that like a couple of things that you touched on is that if you're passionate about something and you can make that the heart and the center of the business during tough times or times of doubt um, or, you know, when you are 
you know, only advertising to a small group of people or something, it, it will sustain you and you'll will it, it'll, your messaging will come across a lot clearer because you have a clear message. Whilst I don't think there's anything wrong again with just like, you know, the, the ballet studios and things like that. That's, you know, everyone has their own passion and the way that they were um, brought up. Again, when you're marketing to everyone, you sort of not really marketing to anyone. So I think that um, having a really clear focus and passion, whether it be political or diversity, like you said, across many different, um, you know, genres and not necessarily political, but like that you're not afraid to talk about it. And I, I know exactly what you mean, um, during the BL, BLM movement where, you know, there was lots of businesses who did speak up and there was lots of businesses who didn't. And of course, that's a personal decision for you and other studios. But if that's something that you're really passionate about, I think that um, particularly if you are an advocate and you are um, wanting to establish yourself as diverse, I think that, um, you know, having those important messages is really good. But you mentioned about... Um, a couple of people said to you like, oh, don't, you know, don't, don't talk about that yet because you don't want to exclude people from coming to you. But I think it's really important. Like you've already got this clear message and I think it's important to push it from day one because you want to attract people to your studio who agree with your ethos or at least have an understanding or a passion for it so that you know, in six months or three months time, if you start talking about it and they're really, that's not for them, it's not going to turn people away. So people who are attracted to that message are going to notice what you're doing and as a result, share it with other like-minded people in their community and things like that. So I think that um, niching is paramount and it can be, you know, genre specific, you know, it can be a hip hop studio, it could be you know, the, the format of your business, but it also can be, you know, ethos based or, um, you know, really like message driven. That's really uh, something that I don't think a lot of people think about early on. Um, and I think that that's really powerful. So what I would encourage you to do is to, like you said, um, you've already started your social media, you're already working on that. You, you have a clear understanding from what I can tell so far that, you know, your younger families might be on Instagram, but the classes for the over 65s might be on Facebook. So you are already really, whether that be just from research or because, um, you know, you sort of like a native on, on social media, you really have a sense of where you're going to find people. And I think that's really important. Now you did touch back on a couple of things about, um, what costs should you bother or what cost should you invest in now to set yourself up? Now, there's a lot of practical uh, elements that need to be set up early on, but are you talking more about like what marketing costs or are you talking about like whether to invest in a studio software program or like what type of costs are you sort of thinking about at the moment? Yeah, all of that. Um, right now, you know, because I'm such a small little business, uh, you know, I have to figure out, you know, how much equipment I need. Like, I just bought um, ballet bars because I'll be moving from studio to studio. Um, again, the studio software was a big one, you know, deciding because there are gorgeous studio softwares where it's all set up and easy but you know they cost 
um a lot of money so you know is it better to just use excel and type the names there all of that um even um the studio hiring yeah you know you can have a gorgeous hall but it costs like 60 an hour whereas you can have you know a little one and it costs 25 an hour so deciding you know what's worth it at this time yeah so in relation to the studio software I agree when you're first starting out I don't think I think that's a cost that you can avoid to start off with now it might take you a little bit more time at the start but when you have a small client base you have the time to generally be able to do that now when it becomes so cumbersome that you are spending more time on excel following up things than you are like actually planning your classes or marketing then I would suggest looking at um a studio software uh, and excuse me particularly uh, the ones that are more of like a monthly subscription it might be a more affordable option at, at the start uh, and that'll help you as well with your email marketing with your current clients as well as sort of managing your leads um, but there is other software that you can use as well other than the google sheets i would look recommend something like trello or asana to f- track people who have made inquiries and might not have trialed yet so that you don't lose any of their information so getting their information holding on to it is a super powerful way to be able to keep connecting with them in the future and even if they don't become a customer straight away they might down the track so i would say um hold off on the studio software that's that's fine you don't need that straight away some things that you should look at uh, particularly in our location in australia is um, music licensing because you can be fine so um look that up on um at uh at oh if you just google music licensing the acronym will come up um you want to make sure you have your insurances set up beforehand so like i personally use dance insurance but there's um heap out there that you can look at and they're not they're not cheap particularly when you get started because you know, any expense when you're not making money yet is high, but it's, it's, it's not worth not being covered just in case. So you want to have um, your music licensing and your insurances. And often a lot of the venues won't let you hire or sign the agreement until you show it. So um, you need that anyway. And like, for instance, if you were even to go to a market to advertise, you have to have like public liability these days. So mm-hmm. um you can look at that it would it's probably going to cost a couple of hundred dollars but depending on how many days you're starting it does come down so say if you only know okay well I'm only going to be starting one day a week for now and then you can add on more as um, you go along so those are the couple uh, of like necessities and then everything else you can start adding on when it comes up so you can add on your um you know, your dance software, you can add on like something like MailChimp or Kartra as time progresses. So at the start, I really encourage people to, you know, be doing the work hands-on so that you can really kind of understand what your customers want, how often they want to speak to you, how often they want to hear from you. And then you can put your money into where you think that your customers want to hear from you most. So, you know, sometimes people don't want emails and their customers like more being in a Facebook group. Uh, And then sometimes Facebook groups don't work for that particular clientele. So you can have a look at that. Um, Stock uh, or or prop wise, I think, like you said, having a couple of bars is great. 
you might need a portable stereo and then a, a small box depending on the age groups you're going to teach with just like your general props and your cleaning equipment you know in, in this day and age with covid you will have to make sure that you're signed up with that before your classes start unless the rules change again um and be cleaning between classes and have a budget for sanitizer and things like that uh but you you can start really small and i think that's um the beauty of the like starting a dance business i did the same thing i started off in a small hall I was just me and I had, I bought a stereo and I had a couple of props that I made and cut out. And then as I grew, then I made money and had the time to invest it um, into more props and then training and then looking at dancewear software and things like that. But um, in relation to what halls to choose from, when you're looking at your business structure and where you see yourself in five or 10 years, are you wanting to create a more of a portable style business that goes from place to place? Or are you wanting the traditional style, um, like a, like a location where everyone comes to you? What, what do you, have you thought about your five year, 10 year plan and what you are working towards? Yeah, I think I want more of that portable, uh, dance class where we can, I can just, you know, hire someone down in Sydney and, you know, they can get set up and just, any hall also like you know the really um rural areas where you know you don't have those big studio companies you know just in one location um I could have classes starting there you know just from the comfort of my own home hiring someone even internationally I think it'd be really easy and it's such a low risk thing you know not building a studio from scratch you know it's just you know I already have the the venue I just have to bring the props and everything so I think the more portable one is the way to go yeah fantastic and again your five and ten year goals or visions they can always change but I would tend to agree there's there's a lot less risk involved with the higher per hour model now there is restrictions obviously in place like often the halls can change their availability or can just tell you like, oh, you can't come next week. And it, you have to sort of weigh up, you know, the, the practical element versus the cost. But I, with the clients that I've coached and in my business, I would say the most profitable model I see is the higher per hour model versus the headquarters model. Now, it's obviously some differ from that and there's some studios who make a lot of money hiring out their location and things like that to other people and so they do have really low overheads but in general the studios that have the you know the physical locations are the ones with the higher expenses now when you're weighing up um what hall to use and the cost like obviously that's a big difference between a $25 an hour haul and a $60 an hour haul. But something I would suggest you look at first is in line with current COVID restrictions, like what is the per person per square meter capacity? And so that you can really figure out what your max amount that you can be making at the time per class, whether that be for COVID restrictions or for what you believe to be a good max sort of number so say you know some people are really like no I don't teach more than 10 at once and some people are like no like 
if they can be 35 in a classroom and it's fine. So I would suggest you just look at the space first and the square meter capacity and figure out what you're confident and comfortable with teaching wise. And then um, I'm not sure, have you, have you sort of set your classes, class prices and things like that yet? Or is that still something that you're working through? Uh, yeah, I've set my classes. So I've got um, my baby classes, which is, you know, baby sensory and like, like zero to 12 months, the tiny ones. Um, that's going to be 12 uh, a class. And then we've got the one to six year old ballet and jazz classes, which is going to be 15. And then I've got my adult classes, which are 20. Is that capacity or the cost per class? Cost per class. And I'm and thinking... Yeah. yeah, I am one of those people that like the, the small little classes so it can be more personal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 10 to 15 would be really good. Okay. And are most of your classes like 30 minutes long or 45 or an hour? Like, do you have a sort of standard length at the moment? Um, I'm thinking for the little tiny babies, um, I'm thinking more 20 to 30 minutes for zero to six years old. And then the adult classes might be... Um, 45 to an hour but the 65 one will probably be 20 to 30 minutes as well okay I would suggest this is just from and obviously you can take on what you want and ignore what you don't that's totally fine doesn't offend me at all I think anything under 30 minutes you're going to really struggle to get people to commit because it's going to probably take them longer to actually get to you and get prepared then they'll be in class um mm. 30 minutes is already like I we do 30 minute classes for some of our classes and it's a very quick class um I personally haven't seen any classes under the 30 minutes um I know you know the structure or the the content of the class might only be that 20 minutes but allocating that 30 minutes allows you to bring the people in to you know, mark your role, to get them started. And you really probably in a 30 minute class only have 20 minutes of content where in a 20 minute class, if you're getting like 15 minutes of work, I would be like, wow, you're really moving quick. Like you, you would be doing a quick turnaround. So that's just something to consider. So when you're trying to figure out like weighing up which venue, if you're already decided like, oh no, like I'm, I have this set amount and it's not necessarily a space thing. What I would be doing is looking at your sort of max earning capacity at that time. So say you said, um, you know, a $12 class, if you have 10 students, you're making $120. If you take your costs off of the higher per hour, what you would, you know, hopefully like to pay yourself for that hour, minus a percentage of um, your insurances and your cost of your props and things like that, how much are you actually making per class? So then you could decide whether um, venue wise, whether it's worth going to the more expensive hall. If you think that that's the, the if it was a better location and things like that, it might be worth it. If, you're, if you can really fill those classes and be making that profit, if not, I would be just starting at the, the cheaper one as long as as long as it's like clean and tidy. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. People don't expect, um, you know, new businesses and things to be the most phenomenal thing they've ever seen. And it, it, the whole point of it is the dance class. It's not like an architecture tour. So I wouldn't really worry 
too much about that as long as you like you said there's a place for them to park there's access to toilets it's generally clean and you feel like it's a safe environment um then I would say yeah why not just do the cheaper one or if you um are looking at multiple venues you might even try both on different days and see which has um, a better attraction for your clientele or whether it really doesn't make a difference um but what I would suggest as well if, if you if you're running the model where you were happy to sort of fill it to capacity and it was more of a size thing well then that can really determine but again if it's going to be the same amount of people at each venue obviously the lower the hourly rate the more profit you're going to have at the start which gives you more uh profit to be able to then invest back into yourself and hopefully grow further so have you sort of spent some time kind of figuring out what each class like if you have five students what what you can make like what what you need to essentially how many kids per class you need to cover your costs at this stage? Yeah, all the break-even points I've been working out with all my finances as I buy, you know, my yoga mats and all of all of that. Um, I've also um, done some like demographic mm-hmm. research, you know, to see which suburbs of Brisbane will give me the most um, customer base, you know, because I if I go out and walk walk. I won't get anything right now. Whereas, you know, CBD in a, in a city is um, where all my customers are at. So I've just pinpointed, you know, where I will fill up those classes. Yeah. And as I, you know, spent uh, more money, you know, the insurance I've looked into um, all of that, I've made sure to, you know, write it all down because that's where my business degree has come in handy a lot is you know working out those finances yeah that's really good and like you said um particularly if you are wanting to have more of a model that is a uh, like you know portable model then you you might trial a couple of locations and figure out you know even though technically the demographics are great you know it's a middle to high income earning area there's a heap of people there but it's just not taking off like this other area, which really shouldn't be taking off. Well, there's nothing stopping you from shopping and changing. Um, But I think that, you know, once you've got a venue starting to advertise is obviously the quickest way to know if it's going to be taken off. Now, have you, if you've already got that finance sort of element in order, I would be, you're probably 10 steps ahead of a lot of people. I know like for me um, and a lot of, people that started it was sort of more thinking about the classes and the students and then afterwards like oh wow like I'm not covering this and so you know it's not a good place to start sorry it's my dog and not a good place to start when you're already behind so I think that that's really something you should be proud of and you're being very practical which is great um so in relation then to be able to grow your classes before you start your studio what other than your social media and getting that all sort of started what do you what when do you plan to like launch your sort of enrollment process like what have you put in place so far uh, to be getting students into your door and signing up for trials or workshops and things in the lead up to term three yeah so I used to be um one of those little teachers that come into daycares and do little classes for them mm-hmm. and I 
you know, the whole notice board of the different activities that the kids can do that different companies have offered. And I think that was a really, really good idea because I saw all the parents, you know, looking, taking flyers. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, my best bet is I've made little little flyers, little posters that I'll put around in the different daycares. I've got ins and um, a lot of daycares that I'm going to be near to mm-hmm. where I directors, which is really good. So I'll give them a ring and I'll put my little flyers in different daycares, even the primary schools. I know a lot of parents you know, they read their newsletter and they do a lot of um, their kids' activities through the school. So if we get attached to some of the schools around um, where we're planning to start, I think that'll be a really good idea. Also, um, for the adult classes, I know around, because I live in an apartment right now, that we have little notice boards um, everywhere. I know that um, particularly my suburb is a very um, big one for the young family demographic. So just um, putting my flyers up in these different buildings will be good. And um, again, I know that if I put it in the venues, my little posters, um, the venues that I'm doing it at, they also hold, host um, adult classes mm-hmm. um, for themselves or just, you know, different companies that come yep. through um, their venues. Mm-hmm. It's good to put posters there as well. So, you know, people that are already into the dancing and fitness can see my, um, my classes. Yeah, absolutely. I think on the ground marketing is a great place to start. Like you said, it's it's low cost. It really just takes your time to kind of get the information out there. Do you have a budget at the moment for any advertising, whether it be on social media or Google or anything, or you really need to make sure that what you're doing at first is free and building up your client base before you can put money back into paid advertising? Um, I think that it's worth the cost of, you know, spending a little bit to do marketing because I think that's such a huge part of getting a company off the ground is getting the word out. So mm-hmm. I've myself um okay some wiggle room for advertising because I think that's how um that's one of the major ways of how I'm gonna um get my company to start being profitable. Yeah, absolutely. I just, sometimes people literally have zero money to put into it. So I think that that's really awesome. Another free, like you said, you're doing the flyer drops, you're putting them up. Another way to engage um, in your sort of specific communities that you have your hall set up is that um, there's a lot of Facebook groups that are specific to mums in an area or dads or parents in general, um, or or like a primary school will have a specific Facebook page or even a childcare uh, and or like for instance like just a suburb Facebook group and um, a lot of them allow advertising on a certain day but what I would suggest you to do is to create some type of download or free guide or activity book or something that a parent is really going to be like oh that's cool I'll grab a copy for little Jenny um, and 
you know, we can go, it could be like a guide to that area on the weekend, or it could be you've created a, a little online dance class for the minute that you can share with them for free. And you're trying to build your email list and your contacts so that when you start to say, hey, actually, we're starting classes at blah, blah hall that you have a group of people to tell other than just like on your on your Instagram, like, hey, like, we're, you know, we have we have some classes. So you really want to create something that's free, like an ebook, um, or again, you, you know, put some time. It's not, it's not, won't cost you anything to create a little um, free intro class for like some specific age groups that you want to start in that area. And then, you know, you could save them to Dropbox or something really free. And then again, if you don't have an email marketing service, it might be a bit more tedious at the start of taking people's emails and doing like sending them the link and stuff like that. But you can then have the time to connect with those people and say, you know, thank you so much for downloading. Like, do you mind if I ask you, you know, what you're looking for in a dance class or, you know, if are you looking for an after school activity? And so you're building the knowledge that you have about that particular local community and demographic as well. And often if you have something to give to people in those Facebook groups, they, the, the posts seem to go better and they, you know, if, if, some of the Facebook groups are like, absolutely no advertising. But if you have something for free to offer a value, people are more happy to then give you their contact information. So it suggests, you know, maybe trialing out, like I said, like a, a virtual class or some type of activity book or like a guide for parents in some particular topic that has relation to your classes, whether it be um, a guide to divert, you know, speaking to your child about diversity for under five years, or, you know, it can be something really related back to your ethos as dance studio. And then as well, you could follow up a week after that and offer them a free trial class. So you're sort of creating connections in a different way. And you could be sharing this on your social media as well. And when you start to reach out um, to newspapers or, uh, get some try and get some free marketing in place um it's something that you could keep referring back to like oh I created this guide um because I know parents are really wanting to you know talk to their child about inclusivity and um you know diversity amongst parents and in the classroom and things like that but you know I when I was speaking to them I found that they just weren't sure which language to use so I use my knowledge and I created this guide to share with them blah 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 so I think that that would also give you a really good hook if you're wanting to get some free PR. I think, you know, starting a business, being young and having a really uh, powerful message, you have an interesting story to tell. So if I was you as well, I'd be having a look and reaching out to local um, community newspapers as well as like Brisbane in general. Um, and if you have a look at the radio stations and things, they often have like free news sort of like things that things are coming up on the weekend and if you keep kind of contacting them eventually um people will often get back to you and i think um even though you know no one's not many people are buying newspapers still they share that on their digital side and a lot of um people still are you know reading local newspapers or you know you might even as well go to local cafes and things where you know that parents are hanging out and trying to fly up there and you know have you know a link uh to to something for you to be able to get their contact information so um versus just like you know where we're having our dance class if you want to try and get them to take an action a call to action on something so that 
you can start building your database so you have people to sell to and then as well you can you can you can also put that little download you could put some money behind it and see if that works if not I think um I'd be looking at some type of like have you thought about like a launch event or some type of free trial week like what do you what's your hook to try and get people in and experiencing your classes before they want to sign up for the term yeah that was really good advice all of that oh my goodness I just sucked it all in okay um, <laughs> Um, I, I think I'm going to go down the route of the free trial classes. I think that that really works again with my big company. That's, um, something that they've done as well. I think during, especially, you know, cause job keepers stopped and all of that and everything's sort of still a bit iffy on the financial side with, um, just parents and, you know, spending the family money I think a free trial class would be really helpful for them and really helpful for me you know because I I believe in my class curriculum so I think that it'll be good enough to to hook them into coming to more classes absolutely there's some people like I do a free trial still at my studio there's some people who are staunchly against it you know they just like it's not it won't work blah 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 but if it works well for you and it works well for me I think go for it if it's if it's not working you're spending more time chasing people up or you just find that the conversion's not high enough well then absolutely maybe you need to trial like you know a two dollar trial or a five dollar trial just to get people in that buying mindset but I think Mm -hmm. that particularly when you start I don't think there's anything wrong and I'm still doing it you know eight years down the track and it works really well because people like you said you know, finances are tight in general for young families. So it's really good to give them the opportunity to try something before they buy something. Now, yeah. in relation to just sort of that, and I'm just trying to have, I had another thought about admin and stuff. Are you doing casual classes or are you doing per term? How are you planning to structure that at the moment? I'm thinking I do per term because I think a lot of young families already have that mindset of, term one, term two, term three, term four, mm-hmm. all, of, all of that. And, you know, especially holidays, everyone's going away. I think it'd be good to have, you know, a little rest then. I was thinking maybe the adult class could, classes could continue through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that, you know, I'm just tossing up in my head right now. Mm-hmm. But the um, uh, kids' classes, I think yeah. it'd be really good the term and I could um push those you know term packs of by the whole term I also have um sibling packs that I'm thinking about doing you know and it's um like 10% discounted if you put two kids into um our classes together all those term packs um there's a guardian and me package where um it's an adult and a kid pack sh- um, package. We do have those um, adult and kid packages, all of those ones. So I think term is a really good idea. Yeah, I think term works well as uh, as well for your attention. So, you know, people are more likely, if after a month their kid's struggling, the parents are more likely to kind of keep pushing them through and you're more likely to be able to help them continue mm-hmm. classes versus people who are away one week, um, the admin of 
doing weekly classes. I, I can't, I personally can't even imagine um, other than if you had some type of um, automated system set up where I just charge their card weekly. But then again, you would have so many people contacting you being like, Oh, but we didn't come that week. And hold on my dog. Sorry. Winnie. Let me just grab her. <laughs> Winnie, come here. Quick. Inside. This is the culprit. Come up here. Come here. Come here. She's. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> she's a barker. She like, and we're because we're renovating. We're renovating our curtains up so she can see out to the front. So she's just now like. <laughs> Um, anyway, I'll just cut that out. Um, no, excuse me. Um, so going back to what we were saying, I think that, yeah, the term classes are a much easier way for you to be able to manage something that you, people will come up is if they're starting halfway through term, you know, you might want to pro rider for the remainder, or if you still want to charge the 10 week block that rolls over to the next term, that's something, um, to have in your terms and conditions before people sign up. Um, just another little thing is to make sure either you speak to a solicitor or, you know, it's up to you really how you want to go about, but make sure your terms and conditions clarify, you know, when things are due, when class is cut off, if they're allowed to, you're allowed to use their image, if you're allowed to use it afterwards. So there's a lot of those practical things that um, there obviously is templates and things online, but if you have, the, the time and the money to be able to speak to someone who can really kind of make sure that you've got a cohesive terms and conditions. That's something that is important to have, again, protecting you moving forward. Um, yeah. And then in relation to your adults classes with going through the holidays, that's something I think that you could trial and see, like depending on, you know, for your over 65 group, they're generally probably not going to have kids they have to look after in the holidays. So their flexibility might continue, but you know, if you've got a large demographic of parents, they're going to have to probably be home with the kids a bit more potentially. It depends. So you could always test it out. Uh, something I found that works really well with adults is still though having like a short period that they like commit to. So sometimes like just continuously rolling classes, people are like, oh, like, oh, I can't, I'm busy this week or I'm going away on a work trip or we're going on a holiday. I don't want to commit for, you know, 10, 12 weeks, but they're happy to sort of purchase a month of classes or do a six week block. And then you kind of keep selling them. Um, and so mm -hmm. you can also then, you know, say if you have a regular ballet class, you could then do an intro course for three weeks. It's like beginning ballet for adults that then leads into your regular class so that you're kind of filling that knowledge gap. Um, as well and people are feeling confident comfortable before they sign up to the next kind of stage because I, I'm I, as an adult um, people seem to be a lot more hesitant to just like jump in where when they're kids they're just really like yeah sure we'll give it a try and that's something that we noticed that there was a, a hurdle in place to get over that initial fear of coming and so that's why we started our intro courses which have worked really well um, and again there's something that often a person will bring a friend to so those numbers seem to grow quite well and you can also run like shorter more 
specific genre things like a Latin class or something for a short period of time um, as a, an added workshop. Um, I know people who have had success with the intro course for kids classes as well. So, you know, they might do a free trial and then they might do a three week intro course and then they kind of try and induct them into the regular classes. So something that you could think about moving forward. Um, and again, whatever you set up for the kids in relation to some type of free guide or a call to action kind of to build your email list and build your contact list. The same could be done for the adults. You could have, um, you know, a, a little exercise video of stretches to do at home um, to prepare their bodies or, you know, 10 stretches to help with the sore lower back. Like it can be really specific things that you're sharing or a little, you know, a ballet warm up or a, a mini ballet class that they can do at home in under 15 minutes um, to, again, build that contact list, get your database growing so you have people to reach out to when the time comes for your classes to start. Yeah, definitely. So that is a good place to start. And again, those systems in place, they do take a bit of time to set up, but then you've got them there and you can just keep using them and tweaking them years moving forward. Um, so just having a look at some of the other questions we touched on because we are mindful that we've already been chatting um, for like 40 minutes or so. So you mentioned, I said, you know, what specifically would you like some coaching around? And you said, you know, you want to learn more about the financial side of business, including taxes and how to budget and what's worth paying for. Taxes wise, that's not something I can really give advice on. I would encourage you, you know, once you started to find an accountant that can really help you with that. When you're just starting out, you, you know, your tax won't be incredibly high and so you know you don't need to be really thinking about all the expenses that you need to buy to bring your tax down that that's something that will come along with time and then obviously GST comes at a later date and things like that but if you find an accountant that you can work with you know you know probably for probably at first I probably only want to meet with you once every six months um, to kind of keep you on board an expense you might need to look at is something like zero or myob to kind of track all of those finances and your BAS statements and things like that, which is more of the, the practical elements to running a business. So um, that's something that I would seek professional advice in that area. It's not something I um, have endless knowledge on. I know that I do it and I know that it's there, but like I have a bookkeeper and an admin person and an accountant and without them, I would be not good at it so um but again this is years on when I first started my mom kind of helped me I used her myob and blah 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 zero I don't find zero to be cheap and I know there's a lot of other options out there but I find zero to be really good as you grow um and tax is something that you can't mess around with it's not something that you can like just hope for the best so um if you're going I would say you know investing in something like zero if you're invoicing you know, you might have to create them individually for now to send to your parents instead of um, having your dance database. But as you grow, you can then have your dance database that connects with zero. So for ours, our dance database generates all the invoices and then it pushes them across to zero. So yeah, that's yeah. how we connect it. Um, but at the start, you could just create it straight in zero. Um, and then how to budget. So from what we've been speaking about before, 
for me, it sounds like you have a really good grasp on your overheads, what you need to do to ensure you're making a profit and how, you know, you can continue to grow on that. What I would suggest for you is to set a time, whether it be once a week or once a fortnight to keep reviewing those numbers. I find that people kind of create a business plan um, or a budget and then they go, they forget about it for like three years and then they're like, oh, why aren't I making money? It's like, well, because you're not, you didn't check. So that class of mine has started with 10, now it's dropped to eight. Well, you can't afford to be buying, you know, all of these fancy props because you just, you're not making enough in that particular class or a class that's running with two people. Actually, that's losing me money. I need to either focus on growing that particular class. That's my highest priority this week, or I'm going to have to cut it. So you might have to be a little bit more ruthless at the start, even though, you know, you need to allow yourself time to grow. Um, But budget wise, I would be just setting um, up on, um, on Google sheets if you look at the templates, they have like a budget kind of template that's set up that I use every week and it's really good. So you can track like your expenditure, your projected costs and like it kind of looks at it and then you sort of create it. It's like a monthly budget. Um, it's obviously different to cash flow, but doing something like that, checking in with your finances every week. If I, if I had done that from the start, I would have been way better off like two years in than I was at the time. Um, but, you know, everything in hindsight. So the Google Sheets templates are really good as, as a starting point. And then if you do have something like zero, there's a lot of different uh, like reports and cash flow and things that you can use within that software as well. Um, yeah, yeah. What's worth paying for? Did we, we, we did touch on that. So is there... Do you have anything more specific in relation to that question or do you feel like we've kind of covered that? I think we've covered that with the equipment and the the whole hiring was the main ones, yeah. Yeah, I think that if, as, as long as you are feeling confident with that, there is going to be a little bit of trial and error in place, obviously. Um, but as you grow, your expenses just naturally grow and then you do have to kind of look at either hiring someone to assist you all putting money into uh, softwares and things. So I don't think you need them all to start off with and subscriptions can add up so quickly. So really be mindful of what you were investing your money in. And then if you're not using it, um, that's why I think having that touch every week or every fortnight and going, you know what, I'm still paying for Canva Pro, but I've not been using all of the functions for a month. So I'm going to drop back to the free version. Um, so really kind of being a bit nitpicky at the start will help you save, you know, even if it's $30 a month, that's $30 you could be putting into a Facebook ad or a Google ad, which you didn't have before, um, which, you know, it seems like a lot, but when you're trying to grow, you have to kind of be quite strict with yourself, I guess. Um, yeah. Now I said here, what are you hoping to accomplish with our coaching call? And you said, get a better understanding of how to do the admin work of the business. So to me, admin is such a broad topic. So say if we touch on this and then I'll just make sure you don't have any other questions before we wrap up for today. What do you sort of mean about um, managing the admin side? Oh, sorry. It's okay. All the notifications in the world. Um, I think 
um, is probably more um, the customer based one. Like I have all the emails in the world, you know, asking me all the classes and everything. Um, also like those invoices as well. Like I'm not used to, um, you know, asking for money, mm -hmm. all of that. It's like really awkward for me. Um, how do you think I should go about that? Because I know that um, I don't have enough money to hire an admin person no. right now. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that you can do. So I'm just going to touch on you what you said about people asking for information first. So obviously, the more time we, well, we need to spend time attracting new clients. So that does take time speaking with them and stuff like that. What you can do is create uh, an enrollment info pack or some type of like quick start guide that has um, sort of general age groups. So you might create one for like your one to two age group that only has information for that. And then you might create one for your two to four, your five to six that just sort of, you know, have the same overall template, like information about you, why you started the studio, your ethos, and then practical things like what people are asking all the time. What time are the classes? Where are they located? How much are they costing? What do they have to wear? Um, how do I book a free trial? How do we pay? Like all of the frequently asked questions that you've already gotten and are already receiving, you can put them in this guide uh, as well as on your website. And, you know, if you've, you've got your website, you can be copying some of this information into like a beautiful branded little guide that you can create on Canva and share with people. Uh, and then as well, um, those even if you go and have a look at other dance studio pages not to like copy the info but you'll be able to see they have like a frequently asked questions list and so you'll be like oh of course people want to know about are we doing a show this year and your your answer might be like there's no formal show this year but we're going to have an ink like whatever it is um your what like expected costume costs do they have to wear shoes like what are sort of the general rules creating an info pack and copying that information on your website so that when you're emailing people, you can easily highlight from the book and copy it directly in the email to answer their question. And then you can say, I've also attached our info pack, which has all of our questions, everything you need to know about how to join Multiplicity Dance Studios. And so that might be as well a link to the, to the trial booking, which you could set up on a Google form, which is free. Um, it also could include, you know, if, if you wanting to book straight into classes and secure your spot, here's a link to enroll. So, um, and then you can explain your process as well for your invoices. So I would say in relation to kind of that generating um, your trials and the connections of getting back to people at all of those classes, creating um, an info pack, something you can send to them and easily copy and paste yourself is the best way to go about it. And I would suggest to you um, to open up a Google Doc and start creating templates of emails that you're sending on the regular and really start growing your systems in your and your processes in your business straight away. So instead of feeling like, oh, I've typed this email like 10 times, set yourself up like a dear blank. Thank you so much for, you know, whatever, however you want your um, email to be, 
responded to. And obviously you might need to tweak some things. But if you've got that template there, you know, you have a doc, you have a Google doc that's called like email templates or email inquiry templates. And it has, again, the age groups broken down and you can tweak them as you go along so that eventually, you know, six months, a year down the track, you're hiring an admin person. You can say, hey, the first thing I'd like you to do is to start get back to inquiries. Here's, here's examples of templates I've already created. This will be like a great structure for you to start. So it's saving you time and it's also preparing yourself for growth in the future. So um, a, a next step from that would be setting up or again, investing money in something like MailChimp or Kartra where you can really sequence out an email flow. So as soon as someone's sent you a trial um, or an inquiry, they start on the inquiry sequence and it might educate them on these few things over a certain amount of days. Um, but I wouldn't be doing that manually because it's just going to be really hard to manage. But I don't think you need it to start off with. I think replying with a template and having a really beautifully branded guide is perfect at the moment and it will allow your turnaround to still be quite quick so that's that element and then in relation to like you said about the invoicing being a bit awkward to ask for money you know it, it, it a lot of people would feel uncomfortable with it and it's definitely something um that most people struggle with um because you don't have an admin person often people create like a fake admin person name to like reply from accounts like oh this is Susie from accounts and Susie is a real stickler for people not being late. Now, if you're really uncomfortable, I, I could say you do that. But then part of me also wants to encourage you to be empowered enough to know, like, know that you are worth being paid and know that you deserve to be paid for your service. So something that you could, again, do up on Canva or just have it outlined in an email could be like, uh, you know, multiplicity, term fee overview. Um, week one, receive your email. Week three, um, full invoice due. If not paid by week four, like a $10 late fees added. If not paid by week five, class is suspended. If not paid by week six, enroll, like enrollment to class is cancelled and you have to like re-enroll and repay something. So just creating something that you can go like, if someone's overdue, like send it like, hey, blah, blah, like, no, you've been busy. Just want to send you a reminder that your account's overdue. And here's an overview again of our um, term fee structure. If you have um, a struggling, you know, blah, 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 I'm happy to set up a payment plan for you. And you could have a payment plan that maybe breaks it down a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. But having something there to refer back to and kind of keep people informed by so they're not shocked like oh why did I get charged a late fee it's like well I've contacted you like 50 times and you've wasted my time so this is why um yeah. and being quite strict on that from the start and you'll just have to set yourself reminders um if you're using something like zero they generally will set up an automated reminder if you're creating them in a free software or like Google Docs and then sending it individually, I would suggest setting up some type of tracker on like a Google sheet that says like name, class, invoice amount, due date, you know, followed up, paid. So you can really kind of track with colors and things who's paid, who's not. Um, and then 
you, you're going to have to get used to some awkward conversations. Um, but if people aren't responding to you via email, then it's when you pick up the call, um, the phone or print out like an overdue thing and give it to the kid to say, like, can you give that to mommy or daddy or granny or whoever bringing you and just kind of know you have a flow and being on top of it. So you don't want to get it to the end of the term and they've gone on holidays and then be like, oh, they hadn't paid me for last term, but they're not going to pay if they're not coming back. So then you've, you've kind of lost the um, bartering power that you might've had before, if that makes sense. So those are kind yeah. of the two main things that I would suggest to kind of set up now, um, whether it be in Google Sheets or whatever you're using to be able to track it. And again, it's going to take some time when you're first starting and not everything's automated, but it's worth it as well to get a grasp and understanding of how your business flows, who, what a good, what a good customer looks like, what a not good customer looks like um, as well as, and when you hire that out in the future, I don't know, for me personally, sometimes I'm like, Oh, like I might, you know, I have a part-time office manager and she manages all that. Like I know why her job takes so long because people are annoying and don't like she's chasing people all the time but if you didn't really have any understanding it can be like oh why are they spending so much time following up on invoices um and then again in the future there's things that you can do you could think about auto pay and stuff like that and um we have a fpos machine so if people are constantly late payers we set up a payment plan where we can um, charge their credit card and things like that so there, there are some options but when you're first starting I think um, either looking at something like zero or setting up a bit more of like a, like a sequential flow for yourself to kind of check in, like, you know, Monday morning is like, I'll check in here and I'll just make sure everyone's up to date. And then that might be when you do your budget as well. So you might set yourself like a finance morning or something to really kind of check in and make sure everyone's up to date before you go to your classes for the week. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So other than that, do you have any other questions that have come up? Anything that's really burning that you want to ask before we wrap up for our call today? I think I'm all good. Thank you so much. I've just put all this information in my brain. The startup packages are such a good idea. I'll be, you know, creating them definitely, you know, joining awesome. all the Facebooks on the yeah. emails all of that yeah um canva has some great templates as well and then obviously um i think do a bit of research and or even sometimes asking some questions in the facebook groups like hey um are you a parent of a three to five year old like what's a burning thing that you'd love help with at the moment or you know it, it might be something a little bit like left of field like a school lunch packing menu or something and it might not mm. really have a huge link to like running dance classes. There's nothing wrong with being like, you know, here's some healthy snack ideas. And then like, here's your afternoon snack to pack for your dance class. Oh, look at, I run a dance class. Like, you know what I mean? You can kind of make those connections because you don't, you don't, it doesn't always have to be like, try our free dance class, try our free dance class. It can be a little bit more wider in helping um, parents manage you know, their life or the kids in general to then be able to support them in other ways to be able to get to your class. So um, you can sort of think a bit, bit outside the box. Or like I said, because 
you're really pushing your powerful um, business message I think even like a, a, a short guide about how to how to have those conversations with kids and you know answering difficult questions about Black Lives Matter and about equality and even about like LGBTQI plus the community like how how or even even if you don't feel um, you know like an authority enough to be like creating that guide it could be a guide that leads them to where they could find those resources. So you're kind of more like a curator of that knowledge versus necessarily saying like, um, I'm Holly and I think this is how you should talk to your children. So, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm just not sure if I'm there yet, you know, you can create kind of more of like a curated version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, Holly. Well, it was so great speaking with you today. And I think that you've got you know, a heap of info and already stuff going on. If you have um, any questions in the meantime that come up, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to connect with you. And um, I look forward to sharing this to with other new dance studio owners or um, anyone who's listening about how to kind of launch and grow. And um, hopefully we can check in again in the future. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you so much for helping. No problem. Um, have a great day and good luck. And yeah, I'd love to hear how your launch goes as well. You too. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.